Journey to Real Vision, Know Your Worth series, podcast number 101, August 2022, episode, Being Valued in the Workplace. So before I introduce our guest speaker, I want to highlight today's episode theme. I ended July's podcast with a question, and I received a lot of emails. And I want to thank everyone who took the time to share their stories and their personal experiences. I absolutely love that you allowed your voice to be heard. The question was, do you feel valued and appreciated by your employer? Why or why not? What was shared with me by email was very eye-opening. I mean, I expected the responses to be a mix of positive and negative. However, the majority of them were more on the negative side. So to put this in perspective, Again, I received a fair amount of responses, and I compiled a top three list. And here's what they are. One, many didn't feel appreciated by their employers. Two, many questioned their abilities. And three, many felt that they are just getting by, and they're not sure of what direction their life should be going in. So we're going to break down each of these areas today and talk about them in more depth. I want you to know these are your personal hardships. You know, these are areas that are affecting you, affecting your mindset, productivity, and most importantly, your life. So with that said, let me introduce you to our guest speaker for today, Tahir Khan, who has worked in corporate America for many years like myself. Combined, we have over 70 years of experience in corporate America. Wow. I've worked closely with Tahir, and I value him as a friend and a trusted colleague. Hello, Tahir, and thank you for making the time to be my co-host this month. Hello, Christine. Always a pleasure and an honor to chat. Yes, an honor on my side as well. So before we dive into the podcast further, I just want to make a statement about what you, the listener, can expect to hear. These podcasts are going to be real. And I want you to hear it directly from the people who are in the trenches each day. These are people that are experiencing life and dealing with it just like you and me. And it's important for me to keep this as raw and real as possible. So let's just dive in because we have a lot to cover today. So to hear, I just talked about those top three statements based on the responses from last month's question. You know, what does it say to you about what people are feeling and experiencing in the workplace? Thank you, Chris. Uh, Actually, I'm not surprised at all by the email responses you have received. Your blog is a sample section of the overall workforce. So the American employee does not feel appreciated at work. It goes without saying. Uh, Now, I'm speaking about the professional and the semi-professional fields, such as administrative, finance, technology, manufacturing, sales, and, and, and the related vocations the workers of corporate America, if you will. So it's probably why we see such high attrition rates across so many companies in the last two years. I've heard it and I've seen it from hundreds of people that I know in the industry. They don't feel that their work is appreciated and most are not fulfilled by what they're doing. They say it feels hollow and their efforts feel hollow. But You know, to understand these emotions, we first need to understand the psychology of American business as it relates to the psychology of American labor and the history of that over the last 25 years. You have to remember that for so long, 
the accepted norm mm-hmm. was that you go to school, you get your degree, and then you, you, you get a job at a good company, and like a good soldier, mm-hmm. you do your duty to the fullest of your capabilities, <laughs> and you will be rewarded for it. That's the way I was taught, that, you know, and that's the way it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, labor was glad to have a good uh, employer with benefits, two weeks uh, paid every year, and uh, what's happened is that over the past 25 years, two things have caused a seismic shift to that thought, and those are globalization and technology. Uh, globalization basically put the American worker up against the globe, global labor force. And w- we all know that that is not a balanced equation. Right. The American worker has a much higher cost of living, a much higher tax burden to bear. Mm-hmm. Overseas labor can be paid a tiny fraction of what we need to live on in a society that we have built. American business exploited this disparity and sent countless jobs and salaries to cheaper locations, thereby diminishing the value of the American worker, diminishing the value of the very costly education Mm -hmm. that we acquired, diminish the value of the higher share of wages that we have paid into our capital system. Right. Secondly, the effect of technology on the workforce, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the use of computers and technology gave the employer an alternative. Many roles were phased out or downsized, and the value of labor was also reduced by that. But, you know, when you add the events of the past three years to the situation, all of this catapulted us by at least a decade. So I think what we're experiencing today would have eventually culminated but perhaps in another 15 years, it would have been slowed down a bit. But what I'm saying is that this did not happen overnight. I, you know, we've been building up to this. And, it, it, you know, we have to look back at our past and see how we, we, we reached this moment and this very prevalent emotion in the workforce. You know, you're spot on. And I agree 100%. But let me add something to what you said. So when we think about globalization for American workers, say that fast five times, think of it of people without a college degree. You know, for me personally, I didn't obtain a degree until I was in my 40s. And in my early years in corporate America, it was deemed a black eye, and you couldn't advance unless you had that piece of paper. And I knew that I could do the job, but I couldn't get promoted, and I couldn't even get an interview without a degree. And I knew what that impact was for me because at that time, I felt that my value was not appreciated simply because I didn't go to college. I mean, that could be a crushing blow to anyone's sense of worth. You know what you're capable of, but guess what? You can't move further up the corporate ladder because of an educational requirement. So I think about the number of employees out there that have been overlooked for years. I mean, It it creates an educational divide, and it absolutely affects someone's perception of how they're valued. I mean, let's face it. People want to feel valued, right? If I could just, uh, you know, you bring up a a very, very good point uh, about the education. 
And I think that this is where us as a society, we let ourselves down. We, our, our educational uh, programs, our education system does not prepare the average student to see into the future uh, the, the value of a college degree. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was in high school, I was in the same, I was in the same shoes. I was just, you know, getting through, not knowing, no direction. Where am I going to go? What do I want to do? And I think that as a, as a society, as a nation, we don't guide our children. I don't see that happening yep. to my children when they were in high school. And, you know, the other thing was that we never really placed value on, uh, uh, on, on technical knowledge. So that put us behind the global workforce. 100%. I mean, think about this way. We're moving to a post-COVID world, right? So let's face it, the pandemic sucker punched us in many ways. You know, we were isolated from each other. We felt unsure of what was going to happen. And then we also struggled with our mental health. I mean, these are issues that are still happening because no one is really dealing with them properly. And I think, and I've seen this, and I know to hear you've probably seen it as well in the workplace, you know, people are suffering in silence. And I think it's a stigma. I mean, certainly when you and I were going in, through in corporate America, you never asked for help. You know, our society dictates that when we ask for help, it's a sign of weakness. And I th- really think people stay quiet because they fear that they're going to be labeled or they're going to lose their jobs. And employers, they just have to do a better job at listening to their employees and working to help uh, manage these issues. I mean, let's face it. Look, many companies, I think they've made strides. I mean, we, we have to. I mean, with COVID, you, you definitely had to make some type of strides because so many people are, are struggling. But there's a lot more work that needs to be done. I mean, employers have to understand that the employees are what makes the company successful, right? The employees. They're the most vital assets in an organization. And without their dedication and hard work, I mean, they wouldn't gain customers in the first place, right? I think we also have to think of that employees shouldn't be identified as machines. And I think a lot of us have put ourselves in that. I mean, I mean, for you, I think you can relate to this. We work ourselves to death. We feel that we have to sacrifice ourselves in order to get ahead. And employees, they, they bring this powerful energy to a company. And I think companies need to seek more of an out-of-box method for helping employer, um, employees be happier, more productive, and motivated. Now, to hear I'm saying, like, out-of-the-box, I'm talking about working to help them understand people, what drives their thoughts, their emotions, their actions. And I have a corporate cr- program that does that. What do you feel, wh- why do you feel it's so difficult for employers to help employees who are struggling? I think it goes back to the traditional model of the employer-employee. These things, like you said, they were never discussed. And in most managerial courses, they never covered how to gauge an employee's happiness. It's, it's very difficult to just pick up one day and say, hey, now I care about your happiness. <laughs> Yesterday I didn't care, but gosh, today I care. What can I do to make you happy? I, I, I don't believe it works that way. I, I think leaders 
what they need to do is they need to look at organizations that have a track record of having happy, motivated workers, see what they're doing, emulate what they are doing, what have they done in the past to maintain high motivation and morale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but it goes back to the value of the employee. The the company that values its human resources will find ways to have a happy workforce. I've see that, seen that in, in most cases, companies that started from the ground up and still have leadership that are vested will always have happier and, and motivated workers. True. They remember the struggles and hard work early on that led to their success. Mm-hmm. The work and dedication of the employees that made them successful, the long hours they put in, the sacrifices they made to help the company succeed. However, too often, management has no vested interest mm-hmm. in the human resources, right? Most yep. of them were brought in after the fact. And the original founders are long gone. And in most of these companies, there's more value put on revenue and stock price than there is on the employee. Uh, Look, you know, there are ways to help employees be happier and more productive. But there needs to be a genuine desire from the company to have that happen. Right. If employees are looked upon as a cost that can be replaced, then they will never find ways to help struggling employees, which which begs to question, why should that company continue to exist and function? Eventually, their talent will abandon them, and and, and younger generation of workers who don't come in with a traditional mindset will not work there. Mm -hmm. The company will meet (laughs) its demise eventually, right? That's the capitalist structure, right? If you're not meeting that demand, you're, you're, you're not going to survive. So I see that with so many organizations today. They ignored their talented employees for so long. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, most of them realized that, hey, I can get by with less and I don't need to deal with this. And I can have a better life, you know, uh, in some other part of the country with a lot less stress. Amen. Uh, those experience slots are very, you know, they're becoming very difficult to fill for these companies. And most of them don't know how to cope with this. That's so true. I mean, these are great points. You know, with us moving into this post-pandemic era, companies need to understand that they have to shed that system that's based on old rules, right? It's a system that's filled with red tape and control, and it undermines the value of employees. I mean, there needs to be a model that promotes, in my eyes, more connection and programs that are designed to fully appreciate and value the importance of employees. I mean, let's think about it to here. In essence, they need to become more human. Isn't that crazy? I mean, encourage inspiration, collaboration, create employee experiences that are impactful. I mean, let's be bold and introduce programs that are going to actually help employees understand their worth and that they matter. You know, but let's face it, it's not all about the employer, right? I mean, we as employees, they also have to step up. You know, we have to own our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions because we are 100% responsible for the decisions and choices we make. So if you want to feel valued by your employer, well, take a look deep within yourself and ask if you even value yourself. I mean, 
Do you appreciate your worth? Now, if you're struggling, and, and most of you, you probably are, you also need, you really need to work at knowing your worth because you can't solely put this on the shoulders of the employers. However, <laughs> I'm going to say employers, again, should be offering programs for employees to value themselves. I mean, this is new territory, right? When I've talked to firms, I go out and I talk to companies all the time. They look at me like a deer in the headlights. You know, times are changing and, and so are employees. So I really think they need to step up, commit to their employees and help them deal with their struggles. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, times are changing. And I think that employers, they're, they're too focused on creating and capturing value on their customers only. You know, most businesses view the customer as the one that produces the revenues. I mean, rightfully so, right? But what they need to understand is that, guess what? It's your employees who make the customers happy enough to buy your products. So I keep hearing about how these HR representatives and these owners, they keep stating, yes, we value our employees. And they rattle off how they add subscriptions to mental health apps and they've added more to their employee assistance programs. But are they really doing everything they can to help their employees? I mean, I, I think they got it all wrong. You know, when I meet with these companies, I always ask one simple question. And to date, no one has been able to answer this question completely. So you ready for it? If you're not actively measuring the value of your employees, then how do you know whether they're an investment or a cost? I mean, to here, how's that for a power question? I mean, what do you think of that? That's a great question, Chris. Uh... I wish I had a prophetic answer for you on this. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you speak to the CFO, he can tell you exactly the cost of each employee from a, a salary, mm -hmm. benefits, real estate, technology perspective, what that employee costs the company. I assure you, every CFO has a per employee cost model and every oh, yeah. region if they're multi-sided, right? Right. Uh, but the CFO is certainly not looking at it from the investment perspective. Oh, That's absolutely. the job of the CEO, right? Mm -hmm. And the CEO, he needs to be aware of the investment in human capital. I was, uh, you know, once I was speaking to a professor and uh, he told me of uh, his experience in uh, uh, the MAG, the Military uh, Accountant General, right? The, the uh, financial arm mm -hmm. of the military. So he said that the, the, the uh, military has an exact calculation of each soldier's value depending on his value to the organization. For instance, meaning that a fighter pilot, which, uh, you know, has a college degree, has been trained extensively on some very expensive equipment mm -hmm. and can carry out a far more important and strategic task has an extremely higher value than an MP that's standing guard do, right? Mm -hmm. And the cost of losing a qualified pilot is a huge loss in dollars and future potential. Right. The cost in time and resources finding his replacement is extremely high. Employers need to also assess the overall value of the individual, the cost of training him, the years of service and cost of loyal, loyalty and dedication. You know, what happens too often workers see themselves being 
pushed aside or mm-hmm. or, or left at stagnant pay rates while yep. someone from outside is brought in with great fanfare, <laughs> right? You know, they pay they paid a higher rate. They're showered with unearned praise, only to have them leave in, yeah. in, in a year or two. And and what, what that does is that leaves the dedicated employee, the worker, wondering why his contributions are not not valued. Amen. When you don't accurately measure the value of your workforce, you're not accurately compensating your workforce. But what do they say about our society that 90% of the wealth mm-hmm. is controlled by 10% of the people? Oh, well, yeah. I think in corporate America, it's probably far less than that. If you look at the structure of the company, mm-hmm. I doubt that it's you know, 10% of the, of the workforce. It's probably around 5%. Company executives and CEOs are compensated in the hundreds of millions, even when they're not, they are they aren't producing tangible profits. Yep. When you know when does a company take uh, you know take those executive bonuses and share those with workers? Huh. You know, a, a good friend once uh, early on in my career, <laughs> you know, long years ago, you know, uh, yeah, a good friend once told me a, a phrase. And he said, the owner of a business will pay just enough to keep an employee from quitting. And that's why an employee will work just enough not to get fired. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it has stuck with me all these years. And, you know, over the past couple of years, it has become more apparently accurate. Oh my God, what a quote that is. And, and you know what? You're right. I mean, that's so true. I mean, we're seeing it recently. You, you bring up this point about the executives and the salary and uh, these bonuses. We're seeing layoffs. I mean, in the financial industry, you know, I know that there's companies that are letting people go. Can you imagine what would happen if they gave up their bonuses? These people wouldn't be let go, but they don't think about that. And, and that's, you know, that's what's unfortunate because when employees are treated as a number, they're not going to feel that they're treated with respect and dignity. And quite frankly, all of us, we, we need to be recognized. And we need to feel appreciated for the work that we're doing. And I, I really honestly feel that when you are appreciated, you're going to play a huge role in being loyal. And guess what? If you're loyal, a company's turnover rate is going to be low. But in the end, guess what? Companies worry over that bottom line because before they're going to worry about anybody else, right? So reality is profits come first, profits come second, and guess what? Eh, maybe third coming employees. I think that when this pandemic struck, I really feel people were faced with this brittleness of life. I mean, I think we're starting now to slowly find a way to carve out a sense of identity that we've never done before. And it caused many of us to grow disillusioned with placing, you know, we we place more value on our jobs than we place on ourselves. I mean, you gave, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day to your job. And quite frankly, I feel employees don't give a hoot about a company's mission statement. They want to see evidence that companies care about them especially their well-being and their mental health. 
And I feel that this off, you should offer more programs that are more centered around people understanding their worth, what a work-life balance actually looks like, and surprise, coaching. <laughs> you know, many, I think many companies feel that the only way an employee can be considered an investment is when they're creating more value than they're getting paid, right? When you don't appreciate that employee value, then you're not making a full investment in the future of your company. Point blank, you can't just focus on employees that are struggling. You gotta invest in all of your employees. You know, work to allow them to add value to your company. And I really do feel it all starts with them knowing their worth. When companies don't measure that value, they're gonna continually face issues like they're experiencing now, turnover, low morale, and guess what, low productivity. I mean, it really is a vicious cycle, isn't it? Because they don't value their employees. You know, as I stated earlier about coaching, obviously I'm a huge advocate for coaching. I think companies, they try, they bring trainers in, they do all these in-house seminars. But what they need to do is need to focus more on coaching because it's about people, period. You know, training doesn't come with support. But coaches provide not only support, but personal feedback. And I know it takes time. I mean, for people to really understand their worth, a few hours in training is just not going to transform their mindset. I mean, let's face it. You get rah-rah for, for maybe a day or so, and then you face reality. When you know your worth, you have to dig deep. You learn. You unlearn. And then you have to relearn again to fully appreciate your worth. You know, quite honestly, it boggles my mind. I've been hearing lately, and I'm calling them excuses. We're cutting costs. We're not interested in moving forward. And I think to myself, why are you thinking of your employees as a cost? Shouldn't you be thinking of them as an investment? You know, on the same notes, I want... People out there who are employees realize that you have to invest in yourself as well. You know, don't ever put a price tag on your worth. And I don't want you to struggle with trying to figure out if I should purchase a course or a workshop. Is it going to make a difference in my life? You know, we've lost sight of what is truly important. And that's the important part of appreciating our worth. And to become that better version of yourself People need to start thinking in terms of commitment and investment and not time-consuming and costly. People spend, God, to hear hundreds of thousands of dollars on their education. That's probably low-balling it, isn't it? As a way to find success in their careers. You know, and you know, growing up, philosophy is the, more, um, the higher your degree, the more money and prestige you're going to get, right? Well, what about personal development? You know, our colleges, our universities, and even our companies, they're not educating people about knowing their worth, identifying their strengths, and determining their core values. You know, we put on our resumes, you know, our education, our skill set, and we get asked multiple questions during interviews on these topics. But can you imagine if an employer asked during an interview if a person knew their worth, if they valued themselves and their abilities? I mean, can you imagine what type of conversation that would be? And, and it doesn't happen. You know, why is that? You know, why do employers shy away from asking those types of questions? I mean, to hear, what do you think about that? I mean, 
to you, why do you think employers back away from asking these type of questions? Well, there's a whole host of reasons, Chris. Uh, first of all, the employer is looking to fill a role. They are assessing mm -hmm. a candidate on experience and ed education. Some employers are getting into asking more behavioral type questions, but that's only to gauge the, per the personality of the candidate. Right. Throw in the paradigm of asking what is your worth, and that totally throws off the assessment. An entire uh, labor force of human resources personnel would need to be retrained <laughs> on handling this question. So employers already follow such a strict guideline on what can and cannot be asked during the hiring process that, you know, a whole host of legal questions that this brings up would be, you know, a, a whole other matter. Secondly, there's a social aspect of it, right? You know, going back to the societal norms and what you, you know, what you said earlier about, uh, you, you know, discussing mental or personal or health issues in the workplace. I don't think most candidates are ready to answer that question anyway. That's not what we're taught in school. Mm -hmm. I, I know I certainly never was. There was I. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I was taught to never show any emotion in an interview other than strength, determination, qualification, and, and anything other than that would be perceived as weakness. Yep. And I think the interviewer felt the same way that, hey, you know, if he's telling me about this, uh, you know, this emotional issue or how he's, uh, you know, let's get him out of here, you know, show him the door as quickly as possible. You know, I can't imagine how I would answer that uh, my, myself. Like, you know, if, if I was asked about my self-worth, I would be completely thrown in, uh, in an interview. And I believe that uh, until we start teaching the ability of self-assessment, uh, it will be difficult for employers to incorporate these questions uh, into the interview and hiring process. Now, one thing that, you, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into education, mm -hmm. but why aren't we investing in, in coaching? You know, that always brings me to think that all of these, the top athletes mm -hmm. and these Olympians, they from a very early age go to the best coaches. Right. Because, very, you know, it's very rare that you are just born with this talent that knows how to coach itself. <laughs> That's who most of us are. We have right. talent. Right. So we might be, you know, you might be a, 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 a great swinger, but unless you have a coach that can really go in there and, and help you hone that talent, mm -hmm. how do you expect to, to become the next, you know, A-Rod or Jeter or one of those, uh, you know, one of those guys? They had coaches from a very early age. And too often we don't do that from, from our personal perspective. So same way the, the athletes rely on coaches, the, uh, the American worker needs to rely on coaches Absolutely. as well. People who know how to spot talent, who know, who know how to cultivate talent, and give us the feedback that is required mm -hmm. to take those talents to the next step. But, 
you know, it should be asked. The the, the question you referred to is, you know, it is definitely that, you know, it, it is something that uh, it should be asked. And other than some some tech startups and Silicon Valley firms, uh, I know that are doing some some psychological interviews during the process. Um, more firms need to adopt that type of methodology to to gauge and assess their their workforce. So this way they the worker knows his value and his worth and the employer understands what they're getting. Oh, 100%. And you know, I'm going to agree, absolutely agree that I was saying the majority of people would struggle to answer that question. Because again, we've talked about this. It's not something that's taught in our school systems. You know, let's think about this for a minute. We're still pushing kids through school with the same curriculum that their grandparents <laughs> went through. You know, why should we all wait until we're adults to learn the more important things in life, like our worth? I mean, people who develop an awareness of their own thought processes, I mean, they're better planners, they're more disciplined and focused, and they're more tuned to their emotions and better decision makers. I mean, awareness is, is of who you are, right? And it creates a strong sense of self-identity. And that's what leads to a stronger sense of self-worth. You know, uh, kind of switching gears a little bit um, and kind of bringing this all together, I, I was thinking, you know, the, the majority of interview candidates, they're asked value-based questions, right? And those questions, I mean, you've gone through a lot of interviews. I've gone through a lot of interviews. They want to know about accountability, right? Collaboration, determination. And they asked questions like, talk about a time you've had to deal with a challenging situation or how do you handle team conflict? But, you know, what if they ask different types of value-based questions, you know, such as, tell me how you value yourself and how would that reflect in this position? Or how do you continually invest in your personal development? Can you imagine what type of conversation that would be? Probably wouldn't be a long interview, would it? <laughs> so, you know, I think to myself, would people actually flourish or would they get flustered, you know, with their responses? And I think most people would probably be flustered because we don't talk about this. It's not taught. It's, it's not promoted. And quite frankly, I'm going to just toot my own horn here. People are not reaching out to fantastic coaches like myself. <laughs> you know, when I was doing this podcast, I'm always doing research. I mean, all the time. I'm always looking at different articles from different aspects. And when I was working on the outline of this podcast, I was blown away by something, and I felt it was important to share this today. I saw statements. Um, it was tips that they were giving these young kids that were coming out of college on how you should prove your worth in an interview. And guess what? That's the problem with our society. We strive to prove ourselves to others instead of already knowing our own worth and letting it come out naturally. We should never, ever have to prove ourselves because when we know our worth, I mean, let's face it, you know what you're good at, you know what you stand for, and you know what you can achieve. And I want to make a crucial point here. And I, I want to reach out to the leaders of companies. And, I'm, and I hope you're listening because 
Leadership is about service and supporting your employees. And there's a lot of leaders out there that I feel suffer from insecurity because they themselves are always trying to prove their worth. So when they're focusing on proving themselves, guess what? You can't effectively lead at the same time. So leaders, listening, put all of your energy into guiding and leading those that you're called to serve. When you lead from a place of compassion, you got nothing to prove. So set an example for your employees. You know, I hope everyone is appreciating this content um, as much as Tahir and I are. You know, when you love what you do, you don't have to force anything. I mean, it just flows from you. And the biggest message I want you to, to understand is what each of you should be striving to do each day is connect with your inner power and let your authenticity shine. So to here, we're going to wrap this up, but I, I want to touch upon one more area. And that was regarding those individuals that were unsure what direction their life's heading in. You know, my heart breaks. It, it truly does when I hear that because, you know, we're all meant to thrive in life. No one is meant to struggle. No one's meant to survive. And I have quite a few clients that come to me and ask this question. I constantly hear, how do I find the right direction in my life? And there's many people feeling apathetic out there about their work. They might be feeling disconnected from their family and friends. But know that everything starts with your mindset. And I think we focus too much on what we want versus what we need. And one of the things that I do with my clients is I urge them to create intentions. Um, I'm not a big fan of goal setting because goal means end to me. But I say to them, what do you intend to create in your life? It just is a much better question to ask because it makes you think, right? If you don't have any idea of what you want, then how do you expect to have a better life? I mean, this is where your strengths and core values come into play. And this is the driving force behind the direction your life is going to go in. And quite frankly, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to try new things. Learn more about yourself. Invest in what you're passionate about. You know, it's that passion that's going to lead you to discover your life purpose. So to here, I think this is the most important question, honestly, as a coach. Why do you think it's so important we discover our life purpose? Oh my God. Uh, Christine, <laughs> I... <laughs> Uh-oh, I got the Christine. <laughs> I mean, uh... I, I, I think this question has been asked by man since we, uh, you know, d uh, developed civilization. Since Earth was created. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, as I get older, it holds more meaning for me. Uh, yeah. We would all like to think that we came into this world with a purpose. Mm. But for, for some, it's more apparent than others, right. or, you know, or so it seems. Uh, going back... You know, to uh, the materialism of the modern world. Right. I think we often confuse material success with purpose in life. Right. We look at someone a popular or successful and assume that they feel fulfilled and, you know, that they found their purpose. Uh, but that's absolutely not the case most often. 
You know, I was once teaching a, a career seminar to a group of high school seniors and telling them about, you know, the IT industry and financial technology and all that they can do and how great it was uh, and all of the opportunities that would be available to them after college. And you know what they asked me? They wanted to know what kind of a car I drive. <laughs> so, you know, that tells you what they're, you know, oh what they God. link success to. So, so many seemingly successful people with, successful uh, careers struggle with the same question. Absolutely. And success in one's profession or career or fame is not the same as ident identifying or fulfilling your purpose in life. Yep. You know, I have a good friend in the finance industry who was very successful, was, uh, you know, was from modest means, but worked hard to get into a good college, uh, got a good job in technology and earned a very respectable living. One day, he decided to leave the industry and help teach inner-city students on understanding technology in the IT field. He says that he doesn't know if this is his purpose in life, but he feels much more fulfillment in this than working for a huge fund. And I think that's what purpose is for every individual. It's something different. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that when we realize it or we find it, there's an aha moment that says, ah, oh, my purpose, where have you been? There you are, come, I, uh, I will embrace you. But I, I, I think to constantly strive to find it is, you know, is an obligation as, as a person that each one of us have to ourselves. True. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's about what makes you feel something deeper that you can be a part of, you know, and that to me was a really a feel good story. And I thank you for sharing that. I like to think of purpose, like a, um, the art of introspection, you know, something that is right beneath the surface waiting to be released. And it's, it's about that diving into the deeper essence of who you are, and kind of pulling out those pieces and it's assembling like your life purpose puzzle. You know, we all think we know ourselves, right? But we only, but only a select few understand themselves on a deeper level. I mean, the bottom line is that what you believe about yourself, what you believe is possible for yourself affects how you show up every day. To hear, I want to extend a huge thank you to you for being my wonderful co-host today and sharing your knowledge and life experiences. And I'm beyond grateful for you and what you shared. And I, I'm just truly honored that you're, you're a part of my life. So thank you. Always a privilege, Chris. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now for our September podcast, I'm going to be discussing the role of coaching and how it is so beneficial in helping individuals understand their worth. Trust me, it's going to be enlightening and insightful. So it's that time to end the podcast with a question that's going to be addressed in the next podcast. And to hear, feel free to comment on this too. As always, I want to hear from you and please share your thoughts and stories with me. Here's the question. How do you see a coach supporting and guiding you, especially with knowing your worth? So email me at chris, C-H-R-I-S, at journeytorealvision.com and let me hear from you. To hear, I'm going to see an email from you. Thank you <laughs> for taking the time to listen, everyone. And I encourage others to listen. Wishing you much light and love. Coach Chris and Tahir signing off.